This is NRL Boom Rookies. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Boom Rookies presented by ESPN. I am Matt Bungard and with me today, at Campton. Hello. Hello everybody. I, I must say my dear friend Bertrand looking a little bleary eyed this morning because last mm. night he was out at the Matildas versus Ireland game. Yeah. Um, How was it? Girls get it done was the main takeaway. Um, wasn't pretty, but uh, they they did enough to get the win. The, the last 20 or so minutes, it was weird. Ireland just basically set up to park the bus for a minute one, but then when Australia scored, they actually started trying to attack a little bit and, and threatened a couple of sort of half chances late in the game. And I feel like if they'd actually tried to attack from minute one, they might have got a result. But thankfully, they did not. And um, thankfully, even without Sam Kerr, uh, Australia had just enough to get over the line. Uh, easier game next up against Nigeria, you'd hope. And if they can bank two wins out of two before they play Canada, who I think are the best team in this group besides Australia, then all should be sweet. And they can probably grab first place with a draw in that one. But yeah, really good night, mate. Like, it's the first time I've been to, like, Stadium Australia with it's been completely packed. Uh, Like, even the Origin we went to last week wasn't completely packed. And sort of the vibe was a little bit more subdued in that because it was, you know, there was... Certainly not the stakes in that game that they were last night. But yeah, the entire precinct at Homebush was, was vibrant. There was just a billion people everywhere. I had to go up the... I hadn't sat up the very back of the stadium in a long, long, long time. So like... Bro, that walk up, there's a killer. It is. Had to go up the big spiral ramp thing. And then me and Charles were literally in like the last row <laughs> of the of level six. So a billion stairs after the ramp. There was a, there was a grand final once where I literally was in the second to last row. Yeah, it was, it was kind of good though. Because then there was like a, like a concrete shelf behind us to put our jackets and stuff on because there was no one sitting behind us so that worked out well but yeah you actually i actually could see better up there than i could from my normal seats at a south game so mm. that's yeah. the that's the that's the, the the secret they don't tell you at anz stadium school is the the bleeders right up the back aren't actually that bad because no. you can see everything yeah working out and, the, the, and a core like stadium australia is shit 90 of the time but maybe like once a decade when it's full it, it's it awesome. gets a game like this and it's pretty good yeah and thankfully, there are no more. Most all the group stage games in Sydney, besides this one, will be at Moore Park. So fuck yeah, good stuff. That, that's great. But yeah, had a great night. Obviously, and, only saw the, only caught the condensed game of the footy, which we'll talk about in a second uh, afterwards. But yeah, yeah, a nervous performance from the yeah, it was it, yeah, yeah. I think that um, tactically, they, yeah, they it was a little bit crude at times. They're just sort of looking for long balls a lot. But again, when you star player, I mean, I don't know. I don't know when the the team knew Sam wasn't going to play, but when a large part of your identity is built around get the ball to Sam Kerr and then Sam mm. Kerr's not there, it does change things. But I'm not going to be the one to write a think piece about how the Matildas have bamboozled the Australian sporting public. That how won't be me. <laughs> how dare how dare that. they keep a team change secret until the I, last? I, possible I'm not. You never see that in rugby league. I'll say never. that now. It, um. Tony Gustafson actually got Des Hasler in as an assistant for the for the World <laughs> Cup. So, um, but yeah, it's it's funny, mate, because like I'm not a gatekeeper of any kind, but I do enjoy the sort of whenever like there is a men's and now the women's World Cup on, I do enjoy the takes from people outside the footballing world who just 
have no idea how stuff is done and think that like every sport operates like their sport, be it NRL or AFL or whatever. Like every sport is supposed to operate like that. Like the concept of like a team lineup not being confirmed five days in advance is just like beyond a bunch of like rugby league people. And it's like, yeah, it's probably smart of Australia to not tell Ireland that Sam Kerr's injured until they absolutely have to. Look, as someone who is one of those people that parachutes into soccer every couple of years or so, mm. there's a way to do it. And the yes. way to do it is to say things like, why don't they just fucking shoot it, bro? Yeah. Or pretend you don't understand the offside rule. Get rid of the offside rule. Get rid of the offside rule. Or, yeah. you know, say things like, I tell you, mate, back in 06, we wouldn't have stood for something like this. Yeah, Vince Grella wouldn't have, wouldn't have let this happen. Yeah, that, that's how you do it. Have yep. fun with it. Don't Correct. don't be serious and say that you've the Matildas <laughs> have duped a nation. <laughs> Yes, by not announcing a key team change until yeah, the last well, wasn't a great wasn't a great hour for me with um athletes I love and calf injuries being ruled out of games this weekend. But uh, yeah, we'll got get the, there. Got the trail and the Kerr news back to back in about an hour, so I was in a pretty dark place there for a little bit. But... So while you were out at Stadium Australia soaking up a momentous night for one sport in this country, <laughs> I was sitting at say, home. Which I was sitting was at bigger? home watching 17th versus 16th and like questioning all the choices that had led me to this point in life. But, but hey, Zach Lomax's flick pass. That's pretty cool. What? Well, uh, here's how much of a sick I am, dude. After, in the first 20 minutes and I was like buzzing, I was working and I was buzzing around doing some other stuff. And you know, those shifts that you have where just like a bunch of little things go wrong and yeah, yeah. the shits. Mm. So I was sitting down watching the game and feeling sorry for myself and going, fucking this is bullshit. And then after about 20 minutes, started warming up. And I was going, this is actually a bit of war. <laughs> That's true, sicko behavior. But yeah, Dragons 18, Tigers 14. You're taking the spoon back to Concord with your boys. Yeah, it's, it's, I w- well, it's not impossible, but it's very difficult to see a scenario where they don't get the wooden spoon now, right? Yeah, I think so. And it's, it sounds dumb for a team that's been as bad as they have been all season, but, and it's a dumb expression in the first place, but they played like a team who's sort of forgotten how to win and sort of lost their way a little bit because. Mm. They had more than enough chances to to finish this game off. You know, the Dragons probably started the better. The Tigers looked stronger as the game went on and as Dane Laurie got more and more involved, he was terrific at 5'8". And the fact that they had, the Tigers haven't been able to find a spot in first grade for him and the fact that he's probably going to end up leaving the club is something of an indictment on what they got going on. I know he's yeah. not perfect. I know his attitude probably hasn't been all it could be, but you can't tell me that he's not a better option than Will Smith. You can't. You, know, you can't tell me that Luke Brooks and Dane Laurie isn't a halves combination that is more inspiring than anything that involves Brandon Wakem. With due Brent, respect, Wakem has yeah he had a couple of nice games at the very start of this season, but he's yeah. just been a he's just been sort of well. There's a reason that he was signed to play with Camden before the Tigers <laughs> called him up. You That's know, true. but uh, yeah, Laurie Laurie like I think it was four line break assists, two try assists, looked really really comfortable at five eight. I've mm. talked about him before because he's someone I think really want Canberra to look at. Yeah. Um, and I still, still want that, but I think he's going to end up going to Penrith and play for City Origin or something like that. But mm. when they were going through him, things looked really, really nice. And that left side was doing really well. And when Apisai Corosia scored just before half time off that really good kick from Junior Tupo, I thought maybe, maybe old Nicky Zags has Coltrane himself into a, into a famous win here. But it felt like the Tigers were right on the precipice and they just couldn't get over it. They couldn't punch it in. You know, they they didn't get a whole lot of possession in that second half, but they did get a little bit of it late. And they got, they had, I thought they had enough good ball late to try and construct an equalizing try out of somewhere. But mm. the Dragons just sort of stifled them a little bit. 
Tigers lost their way, stopped doing what was working for them, stopped going through Laurie down that left edge, and things kind of fell apart a little bit for them, you know? We had and a, now back-to-back spoons for the poor old boys. Had um 52% of the Coltrane Cup tip the Dragons. Were the other 48 on the Tigers? Uh, only 14% on the Tigers. So, really? That's interesting. Yeah, but, but, I mean, 70% in one single game is quite high. That's a lot, yeah. <laughs> so... Most people are just going to be able to enjoy their weekend, apart from there's a, oh, there's a big storm chunk, actually. But other than that, yeah. Um, but yeah, it, uh, they, they, they deserve this. Every every decision they've made has led to this point. I don't feel yeah. sorry for them anymore. I obviously still feel bad for their fans. I'll never stop feeling bad for their fans. We, we know a lot of their fans. They're good people. But it, the people in charge of this club are buffoons. With the signings that the Tigers made and with some of the players they've uncovered this year, like if you told a Tigers fan at the start of the year, you're going to find a, a fullback who looks really, really decent, a pretty good winger who looks worth persisting with. Mm. Um, top three hooker in the top three, in the top world. three hooker, best back rower in the world, a guy who probably was close to the best back rower in the world a couple of years ago. And you're going to get worse. Uh, and then like one of the best yardage props in the game. You're adding that to the squad last year, but you're going to get worse. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have it. believed you. I wouldn't no, have believed no. you. Um, on Saints, Zach Lomax, two strong games. Yeah, in a row. he's a guy you said that like they don't, they can't afford to lose. I know he's struggled this year, but like a lot of that is regime. And you, we've seen players just improve out of sight when a coaching change happens. And he's a guy that we all know is extremely talented. And I think ever since that Flanagan news, he's been a different player almost. Like he's just completely looks different. He's just more engaged, more willing to more willing to sort of get involved. And then obviously it helps when the sort of low percentage flick passes come off, but he oh, just, when they come off, they look so yeah. Cool. I mean, we talked, we got that, we got asked that the other week, like who are, who are some of our best purveyors of the flick pass? And he's right up there for this yeah. era. Like he's right, right up there. And yeah, he's a guy that I, I, they, there was a long standing talks about him leaving, but I think that those have quietened down in the last few weeks. And I think that he is not only a guy that needs to stay, but a guy they need to build around in the future. Mm. Yeah, look, he's he's someone who's probably lost his way a little bit over the last couple of years, but I don't think it's a coincidence that this uptick in form has come after Flanagan was announced. Mm. In 2020, when Lomax had a great season and probably should have played for New South Wales in the Origin Series at the end of that year, Flanagan was at the Dragons as an assistant coach, and Lomax spoke very, very highly of the way that Flanagan sort of impacted his game, particularly in attack. So they have a pre-existing relationship. They have a relationship that, that sort of really worked for, for Lomax. And you're right. He's someone the club should be looking to build around. They stuck him at fullback for a little bit in this one when Sloan got injured. I'm worried that they're going to try and make him a fullback again next year. But I feel like his skill set is just so well suited to the centers. He's a very like natural center. And there aren't too many of those in the league. But when mm. you have one, they can really make a difference. Like I talk, I talk about Brian Kelly a lot, right? But part of the reason he's able to be so effective is because he is an out-and-out center. And his his gifts are uh, his gifts would be wasted in any other position, you know. And I think Lomax is a little bit the same. I want Lomax having that right hand carry in the left hand and and getting that arm ready for Ravalawa because if he creates a one on one matchup for Ravalawa, there's no one in the league that's stopping the yeah. that's stopping the big fella, you know. He might have his limitations as a player, but with Lomax, he's perfect mm. because Lomax can create matchups for him. And then if the players try and slide out to cover Ravalawa extra, then Lomax is big enough to go like, through himself. You know like what I mean? Like it's like an unguardable pick and roll play. Like those two out there sometimes. Yeah, when yeah. They get it right. So, so I, I really want them to keep Lomax at center. I think that would be a good move for them. Me too. Long term. Yeah. Um, and then the other guy who's really impressed me the last couple of weeks is Talatel Mone. I was mm. maybe not concerned, but I thought there might have been a chance that uh, 
Bud Sullivan was going to take over his role some point in the season. But Sullivan, to me, has kind of stagnated a little bit. And I actually think Amone has gotten better. Um, and I don't know what they're going to be doing with Ben Hunt or anything like that, but I think Amone has shown himself to be an above-average first-grade playmaker mm. at the very least. That pass he threw for Sloan for the first try was really, really nice stuff. And that's kind of the next step for him. He's always going to have that really nice running game and that big right-foot step. If he can sort of add some at-the-line at passing and sort of hitting the line and then popping stuff off, that's the next step for him. So I, some pretty good signs for the Saints. I think they're going to be good next year, man. I just, I really do think their roster is more talented than their results have led on in the last couple of seasons. I think Shane Flanagan's a great coach and he'll get a lot out of them. I think they're going to be a really, really good team. There. A lot of that hinges on Ben Hunt. I'm aware of that. But like, man, I, I think they're too talented to be 16th. Like, I really do. Or 15th. Yeah, I do too. And Flanagan has got a lot out of teams that didn't have much. Yeah. So, and he's getting a team that even though they might not have heaps, they got a little bit. Mm. They got a little bit, you know. This this mm. isn't a this isn't a admit a readmission rabbit eye situation. <laughs> no, thank thankfully. But not. few things are. Few things are. Try, try. This is a try. Brilliant, brilliant play. I think it's a try. Oh, I don't know if this is going to be a try. Gee, what about this bloke? We have a first on What About This Bloke this week, Nicholas, because I don't know who this man is. So sitting around and naming old footy players is the finest thing a person can do. It's literally my favorite thing to do in the entire world. And this week, the random number generator has chosen all the way from the streets of Los Angeles, our dear friend, on the picket patron, line. Josh Brandon. He's sending this one through directly from the picket line. He actually held it up on a sign. Same. Yeah, Josh is, a, Josh is a director, so he's striking at the moment. But more than that, he's a good Roosters man. No, mm. a great Roosters man. Yeah, one fair. of the few. One, one of, the, of few. the very few. And he has chosen 90s second rower, Nigel Gaffey. All right. So Gaff, this is a bit like you, you said you said to me before we started recording, I've never heard of this bloke. And I think that's permissible because you like Nigel Gaffey's decade later equivalent, you would absolutely know. Give, this me, is give just, me a decade later equivalent. Oh, geez. Um, an Alan Tung. Maybe. Okay. Okay. Yeah, sure. So, well, Alan Tung is not a bad comp because Gaffey, a Canberra junior, a, a, a tall, rangy, hardworking back rower, sort of came through Canberra the late 80s, started at second row for him in the 1990 grand final, won a premiership in just his ninth first grade game. That's always good. Great stuff. Played the next season with them, but then had to leave Canberra because of their salary cap constraints. Like it's a, it's, you know, it's a technical thing, but Canberra breached the salary cap by several million dollars when they won the premiership in 1990. Like money talk, money talk, you know, like what are you going to do here? Mm. And then he sort of settled in at the Roosters. And that's probably where most people who know Nigel Gaffey will remember him. And he's an interesting player to me because he's one of those Roosters players because it's, it's important to remember that the Roosters, as we know them, only became what they are now during and after Super League. Correct. Before that, it was a pretty lean, probably 15-year period. So from like their last premiership in 19... Oh, actually, closer to 20 years. From their last premiership in 1975 mm. to 1994, they had a couple of good years here and there, but they were far from the... Far from the blue-blooded powerhouse yeah. that we think of them as today. 
Yeah, that's and right. what really transformed them was was two different things: was getting Phil Gould in as coach, and signing Brad Fittler for season nineteen ninety six. And Nigel Gaffey is one of the few players who was at the club before that sort of Super League revolution, but then stuck around after and became a big part of of what the Roosters eventually evolved into. So apart from a weird year in 1996 when he went to the Crushers for some reason, <laughs> you won't, won't believe it, hated it up there, come back to the Roosters. Hey, everybody, Nigel's back. Yeah. <laughs> and, and just became a very – and was a very solid, dependable straight up and down player for the, for the Roosters. It, it, like in a very glitzy, glamorous side, he was like, you know, my word is as good as Oak type stuff. Played yep. country origin, always good for a fella's dude credentials. And then his last year for the Roosters was, was 1998 when they made the prelim and they got spanked by Brisbane before Nigel finished up with a couple of good years at Penrith. And then he retired in the year 2000, after 11 years and 170 odd first grade it, games, I don't have a Nigel Gaffey story. I just, mm. yeah, just one of those one of those guys that you can build a club around. Is it a good is it, clubman? Is it true Nigel Gaffey retired in 1999 out of protest for South's unfair expulsion from the competition in the year 2000? Well, he retired in 2000. So oh, I misheard you. Well, maybe maybe he played halfway through 2000 and he, and he thought and I can't do this anymore. I can't do it anymore without the grand need, old club. What's the point? Yeah, I need South there. Um, but yeah, so. Uh, there's really not a lot about him on the internet either, so I, I'm glad you were here because um, what what would make a man along? Well, it says here that like five roosters went to that Crushers team in 1996. So what was the, was there something that happened there that forced all of those guys out? Was that a salary cap thing with no, the, no, the, the arrival also, of Brad Fittler or what no, was the, that? no, no, no? Well, it was because the Crushers lost a bunch of blokes to Super League. Ah, okay. And they lost. Oh God. <laughs> Fucking hell. I wrote 11,000 words on the crushes and now I can't remember. Well, that's why I teed you up for it. I assumed you'd have the answer. But they lost one of the, like they lost blokes. They lost Chris McKenna. That was sort of okay, a big one for them. And then there were guys like they signed Darren Smith, but then he backflipped to go to Super League, stuff like that. So they ended up getting a bunch of roosters. All Essentially, the ARL said to the roosters, guys, we need you to go up there and prop the club up. And there was a bit of talk late in, um, late in 1995 that Kerry Packer might buy the club. Mm. Or the channel, and the, and they would become like the Channel Nine South Queensland Crushers. Like Channel Nine would be the major sponsor, oh. and they'd be sort of like the tip of the spear for the ARL in Brisbane. Mm. But that obviously didn't happen. Do you have, like? Do you have the, the the names of the other guys that went to the Crushers in front of you? Uh, yes, I do. Would you like me to read them out? Yes, Gaffy uh, yeah. was Gaffy was the best of them. I'm pretty uh, sure. Jason Hudson, Graham Mackay, Clinton O'Brien, and Mark Prothero. Yeah, not great. They've not got great. Wikipedia pages, so. Graham 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 McCoy had been a good player in his day. Yeah, played for New South I know Graham McCoy. I've heard of Graham. He was very much on the back nine by then. But yeah, don't know the other guys. Clinton O'Brien played for Queensland in 1997 in the Split Origin series. Not bad. Good work. Good work. Okay, here's one for you. How many blokes named Nigel (laughs) have played first grade? Uh, Well, Nigel Plum. Yep, is one. Nigel Gaffey is two. Uh, I'm going to guess like. Three more? I'm going to say five total. It's, it's six total. Oh, I was close. Vangana. Vangana, yeah, yep. Uh, one more One more is reasonably well known. Nigel Vangana, Nigel Plum, Nigel Gaffey. Uh, oh, he's got two first names. Two first names? Like his last name is also a first name. Yeah, no, I got that part, but I'm just trying to think. What's the... Well, no, I was going to say, what's the surname? No, I don't know. Who's the other one? It was Nigel Nigel Roy. Yeah, I don't know him. You don't know him? No. And then 
There was a bloke who played for South in 1995 and 1997, only four games. So, like, I'm not expecting you to know him. Nigel War. Okay. A, Any a long, relation? A long lost war brother playing for South. Oh, yeah. so there, so there, there, there you go. Not Nigel. We don't have any great Nigel Gaffey yarns, but I bet if you sat Nigel Gaffey down, he'd have a couple of yarns for you. Yeah, but only, uh, only, I, only. I'd like to think Nigel Gaffey is a fixture at Roosters Old Boy events. A hundred percent. MVP of working the room. Nigel Gaffey, Premiership winner and not a Super League scab. So I salute you. I salute you too, Gaffey. Um... You're like to salute him. You're a Super League scab. <laughs> scab is such a. Accurate word. <laughs> now that that 1990 Canberra team is super weird because they have two blokes that went on to be Roosters stalwarts. They had Nigel Gaffey at second row and they had David Barnhill on the bench, mm. and they lost both of them because of um the salary cap. <laughs> that and, they and Brett, upon. Roosters stalwart Brett Mullins, of course. No, nah, not, not in 1990. Oh, I was making a dumb joke again. No, you're just being inaccurate. Did but yeah, not, Nigel was he, was he Nigel not Gaffey? I, look, I even looked it up before I made the joke. It says he debuted in 1990. Yeah, but he didn't play in the grand final. So. That's right. He was there. He's a, he, won, he won a comp. Won the comp. <laughs> we're doing this stupid argument again. Yeah. So, Nigel Gaffey, we salute you. Um, but we're coming to a change in the what about this guy format because this is going to be my last show for a little bit because I'm going on a trip to the States mm. for the next five weeks. So, I might duck in and out and do a show here and there. But for the most part, Bertrand is going to be driving the bus on this one. Yeah. So make sure they're players, I know. <laughs> Just from like 2002 onwards, please. It'd be great. Anyway, have you got someone for next week? No, you have to decide. That's the whole point. Oh, well, all right. I will you have uh, I'll the do power. that. I'll, I'll, I'll do it later then because I haven't done it right now. Actually, you want me to just do it right now? Uh, next week, we've got See You in Vegas. Oh, wow. I think that's, that's yeah. a new one. Uh, but still yeah yeah okay so see you in vegas uh i'll send you a message on patreon but yeah get in touch and next week you will have a, a guy to nominate how exciting and with i'm that, excited i'm yeah. excited to listen to it as a punter yeah driving down route 66 that's right baby okay moving on all right but we've got a whole weekend of games to get to nicholas starting with a big double header for both of us on on, on tonight with uh your beloved camera raiders playing the warriors in a battle of top four teams. That's right. And you I said think you are technically a... fifth, but like, you said that, I'll give it you to you. You said that with a straight face. I'm so proud of you. Well, it is technically true. The best kind no, it's, of truth. it's just true. <laughs> yeah. No technically about it, friend. Well, it's not. It's well, it's true. not because the Warriors are fifth right now. So it's not Yes, but the winner, the winner will surge into the top four. That's right. A battle of, a, a match with top four implications. That is, that's got top four implications. It that was very, it was very nearly the biggest fuck yeah Friday of the entire season. Yeah. Because uh, I think that like, this is a, a, a great game between two teams who have pretty big aspirations for this year at this point. And then we very nearly got what could have been one of the games of the season yeah. before a certain thick King. It's a shame that's happened. That's still going to be a great game, but we'll get to that in a second. We'll get to that um, in a second. I'm nervous about this one. Yeah, because... I think you should be, of course, like, they spoiled the Croker party not that long ago. Was that four weeks ago or something? So, it feels like it was last week, honestly. It honestly I does I, feel I very emotionally recent. recovered. Yeah, nor should you have. And, I mean, they have just been, bar that Souths game, been going from strength to strength since that matchup as well. They 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 swept aside uh, an understrength Eels team before absolutely flogging the Sharks last week. The Waz look like they are a serious contender for this year. And the Raiders, whilst having the same number of wins as the Waz, have not looked anywhere near as convincing in those wins, but you can get rid of all of the naysaying and all the criticism by sort of just beating them here, can't you? 
They can, they can. And that's why this is a really important game. Um, this is the best team that Canberra's played since their last game against the Warriors. Um, I think it's it's one of the very few matches against current top eight sides they've got for the rest of the of the year. And while I'm not I'm not fussed if if nobody else believes in the Raiders, I think if they want to be taken seriously as a top four team, because right now, you know, everyone's laughing at them a bit for being in the top four because they're so fucking weird mm-hmm. and they just keep stumbling and fumbling around, but stuff keeps working out. But if they want people to take them a bit more seriously, this is the sort of game that they got to win. Yeah. Um, but I think it's a really tough stylistic matchup for them. I actually think of all the teams in the top eight, apart from, I think only Penrith are a tougher stylistic matchup for the Raiders than the Warriors. The Warriors have got that really big, really mobile forward pack. Um, the, you know, back five solid enough, but mm. a, a, a very well-composed, well-structured attack. And I think the key to beating Canberra is rising above rising above the like Canberra's regular level of chaos coming correct doing all your stuff right getting all your structures right and if you just play basic simple well executed footy and then just let the raiders sort of trip over themselves and stab themselves in the face mm. you know and i think the warriors are, are are very capable of doing that with the side they've got and with the way they play so I don't know. I think this is a, this is a tough one. This is a really tough one for the people's team. We we talked about last week how the the Warriors would target that Sharks left side with the mm. Moylan Talakai Canyon. We love Jared Kroger, but um, once again, you know this is probably the biggest test he's going to probably have faced since he came back to first grade in terms of defence. Yeah, well, and he's coming off a bad one. That yeah. that, that that and he wasn't great last week. Yeah, was really really tough, but. He has, he'll have Jack White next to him. That'll make a difference. Um, but honestly, on that Canberra left edge, it's not it's not just Croker that I'm worried about. Um, mm. Whiten's a great defender with his contact. Like when he hits a bloke, they can very very much stay hit. They see green, some would say. <laughs> but him and him and Croker often stick very, very close together. Hudson Young can sometimes get found out a little bit defensively as well. So it's not the most solid edge, not just not just with Croker. Mm. So yeah, but if I was the warrior again with the war, like you always want the Warriors to go through Johnson down that right edge. But I think again they'll look at that as a matchup that they can kind of win. Having said that, you know I don't think this is a walkover by any. No. You know, I think I think Canberra's Canberra's getting Josh Papali'i back. That's really big for them. They're getting Corey Horsburgh back. That'll sort of open up their attack in the middle of the field a little bit. I think that they'll look at those. I think they got to attack this a little bit like the Sharks did in the opening quarter last week. I think they'll think. Well, we can get over the top of someone like Rocco Berry or Adam Pompey. So mm. let's really go after him. Let's try and play those really wide channels. Let's move their big, the Warriors' big forward pack around as much as we can. And then, like, you know, let's just do a quick little pagan sacrifice so the footy gods favor us. You know, that seems to be Canberra's, I, Canberra's I think... be, 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 best plan. And I'll tell you, it's kept working. I, I think they'll naysayers, be. Naysayers <laughs> might say they keep being lucky and it keeps being a fluke. Yeah. I say it's not a fluke if it keeps happening. Mm, I, I still don't agree. I still think it is a fluke. But <laughs> I, I will say that I think that they're not um, they're not going to be as ambushed as they were when these sides played four weeks ago. I think that coupled with the emotion of that week with Jared Croak and all that stuff, the game itself at times felt like an afterthought. I know you said it was really important for mm. them to win that game. But a lot of people, your coach included, <laughs> said that winning that game didn't matter. And crazy so, for that one, Rick. He really is. And so I think four weeks later with that flogging, which was, you know, quite embarrassing for the club, fresh in their mm-hmm. minds, I think that they will be 
much more up for this one than perhaps they were a couple of weeks ago. There's there's no emotion, there's no pomp and circumstance around this one. This is just these these pricks got us a couple of weeks ago, and if we can get them back here, we're in the top four. Yeah, just and get, that's get, the. Get Ricky. Get to me, that's, angering up the blood. That's the that's all the motivation you need. I'm going to take the Warriors in a close. I don't think it'll be anywhere near as much of a walkover as that game was three weeks ago. I think there'll be a lot of points on both sides. I think the Warriors probably end up winning like like 28, 22 or something like that. But wouldn't that be, wouldn't that be a delicious start yeah, to the weekend? A absolutely. High scoring fixture at the at the six o'clock game. Um, I think the Warriors are going to win, but mm. if you don't tip your team in a big game, oh, you have to. I, I yeah, can't yeah. respect you. So I'm and I believe the, the last time we watched a six p.m. game at Nordos was that Eel Sharks game where there was a thousand points. So delightful. Another delightful. one of those. Another one of those would go down a treat. Yeah. Um, what didn't a real, go down a real, t- a real TGI yeah. moment? What didn't go down a treat, Nicholas, was the hour period I had yesterday where I got two news alerts on my phone. One was Latrell Mitchell is out with a calf injury, and the second one was Sam Kerr is out with a calf injury. And I thought calf injuries. Who needs them? Is that why you became vegan? Yeah, well, actually, it's funny. You know, you know, you know why I didn't. That's very funny. You know why I didn't run the marathon in 2019? Bone calf. Tore my calf three weeks before the race. Bro. Yeah, calf. It's literally the only like running injury I've ever had too. So calf injuries, terrible. Um, okay, it's a so real how shame. You, how were you feeling about this game? I thought we were going to piece them up. I thought we were going to yep. absolutely kill them. Um, when the team list came out on Tuesday, I when I pulled up the link on my phone to look at the team list, I I. I before I opened it, I went on Spotify and put the boys are back in town on to listen to <laughs> whilst I read through the team sheet. Because we, we, we had had it on good authority that the boys were, in fact, going to be back in town. And even without Latrell Mitchell, it's still a good half of their salary cap, if not more, coming back into the in, into the line this week. And I said this on Twitter on, on Tuesday. I think the combined ins for the Broncos and South in this game, if you just added a halfback, would win the comp. It's unbelievable the amount of talent that was coming back in from both sides for this game. Deloise um, Hoyter. Deloise Hoyter, premiership Louis, winner. Exactly. Louis Hoots. I, look, it's fair to say that the the, the wing centre combination of Jed Cartwright and, and Stevie Hoots was was the weak link in the team, but the rest of it was so good that I think they could still get it done. Anyway, um, so yeah, obviously Latrell being out has dampened my excitement for that like a little bit, but I still think that with with the with how well that Origin Quartet played in in that game a week a week and a half ago whatever it was I think that's they're, they're all going to be sort of bouncing into this one they're all going to be feeling really good about themselves Cody Walker especially we know he's he's a guy he's a confidence player more than most and then you know on top of that they get a couple of sort of more fringe guys as well I think I don't know if Jacob Host will play but he's been named on the bench Harm Sale back as well and yeah it it, it can't come soon enough this cavalry returning for South because obviously the last six weeks or so have just been absolutely brutal like you look back through that stretch and it's like thank fuck and I still don't know how it happened but thank fuck they won that Warriors game because big time, mate. like that, honestly that, that was a big win at the time but it's aging better and better yeah and, and I just wonder like would they maybe if they'd lost that game they might even consider trotting out a not fully fit Latrell for this one because it would be honestly desperation stakes for South so much, which is insane to say, given after they beat the Tigers like eight weeks ago, they were on top of the ladder. But Well, if they if they lose yeah. this, there's a chance that they finish the week outside yeah. the eight. Which, which again, is, I'm not, which I'm not crazy. I'm not entirely concerned about because they do have another buy up their sleeve. And also, I, like this is by a large distance the hardest game they have for the rest yep. of the season. I think 10 of the year, they've got like Dragons, Sharks, Tigers, Knights, um, Roosters, and a buy after this. So not, not, not too many tough ones on that schedule. But in saying that, like... They've got to get back on track at some point, and and they need to do it sooner rather than later. And it, I, I thought with Trell in at full strength, they would they would I think they're more than capable of putting the Broncos to the sword. I think that 
without Trell, I think it'll be a lot closer. Blake Tarf had his best game in first grade last week, which I think is is, is it was great timing if he can. Blake Tarf, please, please, please. The line, the line of Transvaal, Blake Tarf. Um, I think that that's great timing for him as well, and I think that. Even with Payne Haas and Patrick Carrigan coming back, no Tom Flegler's big for the Broncos. And this is, I think, the first time this entire season that Souths have had their entire forward pack for a game. I think, I, I'm not a thousand percent sure, but I think it is mainly because Saliva Havili missed the first 12 weeks. So that's already one piece not playing. And then other guys have missed games here and there throughout. And, and Jaya, I don't think Jaya and Saliva Havili played a game together. So yeah, it must be, must be the first time this year that Souths have had a full strength forward pack, which is extremely exciting. So, um, what better test for them again than the Broncos and Payne Haas, the best prop in the world? So, yeah, I I I, I think this game can be won and lost in the, in the forwards. I, if you remember back to that previous game, um, Brisbane even without Haas sort of had the measure of South in the forwards in that first sort of twenty minutes, half an hour, but it all got a bit much for them down the stretch. And I think in that second half, Souths were completely dominant and really, obviously, missing Haas definitely showed. I think more in the second half than it did in the first, but. If they can navigate the stints where he's on the field and sort of really get on top in that middle period where the hassless Broncos will be there for the taking, I think that South's forward rotation is good enough that at no point you're going to be looking at them and going, oh, shit, they've got to get X, Y, and Z back on because it's just a really well-rounded forward pack right now. Like, if Tom Burgess isn't on, Junior Totola's on, and if he's not on, Harm Sello's on, and they're all just very reliable middles. Now, you throw Jai Arrow back into that mix as well. I think that... They really, the forwards especially, need to put on a statement tonight. And I think they can do it, but it, it's a really tall order against such a good team. Yeah, before Latrell got ruled out, I had this as like an absolute coin flip. And I, that, I'm not sure which way I'd go. But with him out, that's enough to sort of tip me towards Brisbane. Mm. Like you mentioned, Haas coming back, that's huge. They're getting Carrigan back up that he was rested last week. But Walsh is the big yeah. inclusion for me. He's the player that supercharges this Brisbane side. And I think there's a chance that he comes back from that suspension and just like, plays with like a real fuck you attitude towards everybody and everything. You know, it wouldn't surprise me if he sort of goes on a, a very, a, a serious run now that is reminiscent of sort of the form that he started the season in, you know, and I take your point about South Sydney have su- having such a deep and well-rounded pack and they, and they certainly do. But I think if Brisbane sort of manage things correctly with Haas and Carrigan, and they always have one of those two mm, on the that's field. That's true. Carrigan was really good in the first half against He South was, Sydney. he was. Yeah. And you said before that when they played the Haasless Broncos, earlier this year, it was, it was when, it was when those sort of bench forwards came on that Souths mm. were able to kind of take control. But I think if Kevin Walters gets his bench right, and he's been pretty good at that this year, I don't know if Souths are going to have that opportunity. And mm. even then, I think some of Brisbane's bench guys like, like Marty Tapao and like Xavier Willison and like Corey Jensen, they've all been pretty good these last Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of glad Willison's been the one who got, who got dropped. So yeah, yeah. So that. I, more Tyson I, I, Smoothie and Corey Jensen, please. Yeah, I, I think I think Brisbane might just be a little bit too sharp mm. for for the for the Rabbitohs, and I think they'll be able to get him sort of down the edges of the ruck. Um, I know Jai Arrow's back. I've never really liked him on an edge all mm. that much. And then that other South Sydney edge spot has kind of been the kind of been cycling a lot of different forwards through. And I think Brisbane well, will look at both those sides of the field and yeah. think about how quickly and how sharply they can move the ball from side to side. And I think they'll really, really pick out those two I think, those two spots. So I'm I'm going Brisbane in this one, in a tight one for sure, but I'm I'm feeling feeling a lot more confident about them mm. than I would have been either way when Trill. Yeah, I, I think Keon had a couple of lean weeks defensively before Origin, but I think he had a pretty good game last oh, Wednesday. Fuck, and I, I forgot about that... Keon. I'm the yeah, worst. I just let it go. It's fine. But... Sorry, it's not bad, guys. <laughs> All good. Sorry, Keon's the one that's always there. And then yeah, and the other one is the host, the host cheek M and now Arrow Carousel. Yeah, but... I'll, I'll, I'll go for a lap. Don't, it's fine, mate. It's fine. But um, I think that that, 
option kind of allows them to be a bit more malleable with what they do with everybody else. It allows them to sort of like, if they just want to take a bit of workload off Murray, it allows them to put him on edge for 20 minutes while Havili comes on at lock. It allows them to do a bunch of other things. And I like Yoga Post, but he, I don't think he's been particularly good this year. And I'm not a fan of really Jed Cartwright or Michael Cheekham at all. So if it means that, I, I think I agree with you that Middles probably are his best position, but I think the team is stronger with him there, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, I, I, t- I take your meaning, but when it comes to edges, I'm always going to prefer mm. stability over malleability. Yeah, you know, because I think it's he's, nice to be. I genuinely do think he's a better player than those guys, though. No, no, he is, he is, but um, it's nice to be versatile. But mm. it's, I think, it's better to be settled. You yeah, know what I'm saying that's fair. Um, by the way, we we Jarista, he's went tonight. He will tonight will make South his most played for club over the Titans. That's crept up real quick. Yeah, it did sneak up on us. It's funny. I would still count Jai Arrow as a Titan. He's one player, of those guys. Yeah, even though I think he spent the the shortest amount of time at the Titans of his three first grade clubs, but memory's weird and numbers are weirder. So That's what true. do you do about it? Yeah, like, like the weird, probably my favorite of that genre is like Roy Satasi played like almost twice as many games with South as he did for the Bulldogs, which just feels wrong. Feels wrong. It doesn't feel as wrong as Jai Arrow, though. Yeah, that's it's it's because it, he really hasn't been there for that long. But I guess Roy, come, Roy, Roy Asatasi, come on the show. Oh, please do anytime. The great man. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm going to take Souths in a in a close one. The, the betting line moved like fifty cents with the Luttrell announcement. But uh, yeah, we'd be kind of nice if that's, our best player could play some the, fucking football. That's games. the weight of the thick king. That's right. Uh, Saturday, three p.m. Official last chance saloon for both of these teams, the Titans and the Roosters. Whilst we've already declared them both dead, they're not mathematically dead yet, but the loser of this one is. So, Are you relishing the chance to possibly put the line through the Roosters yet again? For the third time in a row, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm kind of, I, well, I mean, this was, of course, that famous finals fixture two years ago where the Titans completely stuffed it up at the end. Blew it. And that's all I can think you about. You blew the, it! All I can think about when the Titans played the Roosters now. But um, I know. Yeah, um, I'm not going to lie. I'm not overly enthused for this one. What What are you meant to say about either of these teams that we haven't said a million times? I love watching before? the Titans. Me too. Me too. But like, what, like, there is no new slant. I feel like both these teams have been the same for months and months and months now. The, yeah. Titans, are, the Titans are psychos who occasionally break through with a little bit of sanity only to go back to their wild and crazy ways. Mm. And the Roosters are just underwhelming and disappointing and sluggish and look like a team that's been waiting for the season to end for what some if, time. Now. What if Phil Sami scores a try and does the chicken dance? Oh, that would be amazing. <laughs> okay. It's not It's not beyond the realms of possibility. Either. It's not. Well, did you see that the Roosters are chasing Phil Sami? I don't like that. Me like either. There's a there's a there's a few clubs that are after Phil the Power Semi, and as they should be. Well, hang on. They've already got Dom Young for next year. Where's he going to um, play? I don't. Maybe in the centres. I don't know. No, I don't like that. I don't like it at all. Oh, I hate it. In fact, oh, let's well, ruin my day. Well, no, they haven't got him. It says they're chasing him. Right, like he's well, the king. He's the king of the coast. Why would yeah. he come to Bondi? Why? Why indeed? Uh yeah. Look, um. Who are favourites? I haven't looked at the odds for this one. I think the if I had to guess, I'd say the Roosters are slight Roosters, favorites. Roosters so. are a buck sixty. Yeah, that sounds about right. They've been favourites every game this year, so why change it? I tell you what, if you just bet against Roosters money line every week this year, you'd probably be a millionaire by now. For the grace of there, but for the grace of God, go us. Yeah, indeed. That's that's free advice for you. Yeah, yeah I don't know, man. I, I I'm struggling to even summon a take on this game because all the guys who are always there are all there. If I'm, if I'm, I'd, I'd probably say that the Titans might have too many points in them for the Roosters, and the Roosters' attack might not be well structured enough to sort of yeah. break the Titans down the way some other teams have. But yeah, this is this is feel. I feel the Roosters have really 
like failed to meet expectations this year. I feel like the Titans have probably exceeded expectations a little bit, but I think both of them would be really disappointed in the way probably yeah. the last month has gone and, because it's just it, they've just totally just both dropped out of finals. And I guess the other, the other part is like the Rooster fans are expecting to get Sam Walker back around about this time, but he's had another setback with his with his knee issues, and so it, he might not even play again this year. So yeah, um, I, I don't care. The Titans are going to win. Sure. I'll tip the I'll tip the Titans too. All right. And speaking of last chance saloons, at Hunter Stadium, this is it, Knights fans. You you've beaten up on a couple of crap teams over the last few weeks. Kalen Pong has looked as good as he's looked in a Knights uniform possibly ever. And now you get the big chance against the big bad Melbourne Storm to keep your season alive. Can you do it? The Knights the Knights have got your curiosity. And now this. now they must win your attention. That's right. Um yeah, season on the line. Uh, that game, I mean, that'll be probably close to a sellout with how the Knights have been recently. And yeah, I, I'm I'm kind of keen for this one. I think this is with the way they've been playing recently that this is no, this, they're not going to be a pushover in this game. And I think that you just look at the team, like, especially again, I, I just look at the forward packs again. And I, I just like, in previous years, you just look at that as like a, like a clear, clear edge for the storm but it's not in this case in my opinion i really don't think it is and i there's there's, i agree with you and and if if the knights can sort of get on top early they've they've got the outside backs to look there's you look through that knights uh, sorry through that storm back five there's a couple of guys in there that have a defensive howler in them too and that's a potent back five at the moment isn't it with marzu best gagai young and ponga like there's points in that team and that's a back line you can exploit if you can get on the front foot against them it's funny. I actually think the key man in this entire game is Adam Elliott. Okay. Which is a, do you reckon anyone's ever said that before? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Well, <laughs> hang on. Uh, unless the game, no, 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 Matt. <laughs> what were you going to say? <laughs> well, Melbourne's Melbourne's best attacking weapon this year has been Harry Grant coming out of dummy half and yes. doing stuff. And we saw last week against the Roosters again, how dangerous and dynamic he can be. So I think for the Knights to win this, they can't just win the middle in terms of yardage. They need to lock it up defensively as best they can because the thing that Grant's really good at, bringing forwards onto the ball, guys who might not otherwise be able to make a lot of meters, and he sort of turns them into better yardage guys because he's able to hold up defenders because of his pass selection and all of that. Hmm. So they need Elliot, who's leading the line at lock forward. They really need him to, to lead the way in terms of locking things up. And then I think you're right that in attack the Knights will look at the back line and they'll think, "Fuck, we might have, we we might have an advantage at, at just about every single spot other than Justin Olam, you know." So like, l- let's make the most of this. We got to get it out wide. And their best method of getting it out wide is when they've played off Adam Elliott and when he's been the first receiver and he's got it out the back to Hastings and Gamble and Ponga and all of them. So I think Elliott's the key man in 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 defence and in attack, you know, because he's going to be the one that sort of dictates whether that middle gets locked up as it should be. And he's going to be the one who sort of dictates turns a little bit with his passing. So it'll take a really big effort from him. It'll take a, a, as good a performance as he's had in a Knights jersey. But he really excelled in that role for Canberra last year. Um, and he really excelled in that role for Canberra last year against Melbourne in the in the game that Canberra won in the first week, the finals. So I think he's been a bit underwhelming this year, especially when you compare it to his form at the Raiders in 2022. But him to me is 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 the key man. He can he can lock things up and open them up at the same time. So I'm um, for the Knights to get up, I think they need a monster from him. 
Absolutely agree. I'm really pumped for this game. I really am. Like, it, it's I just, handy, isn't it? It's, it, it's a, look. Obviously, you know, you get, you get those shit tropes with Ursa, with like that old one about well, the Souths are going well, rugby league. I genuinely do think footy's better when the Knights are good, and just probably because they're like they just have the most dedicated fan base yeah. in the team in the competition. And fuck, it's been some lean years recently. I know they've had a couple of like week one finals exits, but yeah, it's been a long time coming. And they started this season with real promise. They had a couple. They had a few games where we just kind of thought, "Oh, they probably should have won that," but they didn't. But they've been making right the last couple of weeks, and this is a big, big game. It, it's over for them if they lose this one, I think. But bit of, you know. bit of extra spice as well, because remember Welch the other week saying, "Oh yeah, true." How did how did the Panthers beat the Knights? They didn't have anyone. That's right. That actually, yeah, you, you're not wrong. I, I forgot uh, about a, that. So. A spicy meter ball. God, okay. the, the, the memes you're, will you're, be good either way. You're miss, you're 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 Mister Knight at the minute. Are you doing it? Are you backing your boys? Yes, Knights by two. I'll go. I'll go Storm by two in a back and forth ding dong battle. Yeah, fuck yeah. Um, it was nice of um the three o'clock game to be bad while we, while we be at Henson Park because the th- <laughs> the five thirty and seven thirty games are bangers. Delicious. Cow- Cowboys Eels again. This is this is not a loser leaves town game, but it's a gigantic. It's a four pointer in the context of the finals. Oh, I, I wanted to say the context line. Yeah, I'm sorry, but you can say it anyway. We can both say it. No, or we, or we could. Well, we could put every. We could use. We could use every sentence we speak in this specific match preview <laughs> and just, and and suffix them with in the context of this season. Well, in the context of this preview, that would be yeah. a. That would be that would be a good call. Well, I say. Yeah, I think this match is going to be massive in the context of both of these team seasons. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And like for Parramatta, I think for Parramatta to win up there in the sweat box with the way the Cowboys are playing and with all the troops they've got back, if Parra were fully loaded, I would give them every chance because as they showed in the prelim last year, they can dig deep and find something special and and, and playing up there would not hold any fear for them. But with Campbell Gillard out and Sivo out, that's enough to tip me confidently towards the Cowboys. Like we, we, we talk about the Cowboys and Scott Drinkwater and all the rest of them so much, but they really do they really do seem to have found something. They really do look to have put everything together when it's really, really counted. Um I, I like what they're doing with their forward rotation in the minute with Tal Malolo coming off the bench. Yeah. Um he's always he's always gonna be great no matter what context he's playing in, or no, no matter how he's injected into the context of this match. But the idea of him coming on against forwards who are slightly tired, like you're taking one of the best running forwards who's ever lived and you're making it even easier for him, you know? Yeah. And it's not like it's not like they'll be soft in those opening exchanges either with Hess and McLean and Reuben Cotter, who's playing out of his mind. Yeah, can, I don't know if Andrew Davey and uh, Joe Ofengawe are going to be able to contain Jason Tamalolo, but hey. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think I think the Cowboys who have been attacking down the edges so well through Nane and Leilua will look at, Parramatta's edges and think, oh man, there could be some joy for us out. Could be some joy for us out. I will out say, there, Bryce Cartwright has been very competent defensively recently. Cardi, I thought Cardi had his best game as an eel on Sunday. He was the Titans. hitting people and running well. He actually like, was. He and he, he wasn't doing Bryce Cartwright stuff. It wasn't he was like the, yeah, it wasn't, stuff. it wasn't, yeah, exactly. He wasn't, they might revoke his card from the Matteo Taylor Sutton Alliance, but uh, he played well. And he's a charter member. That would be a he big is. deal. Yeah, it would be. But, but uh, uh, like the, 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 the tall, the, the tall drink of water, Sean Lane has not had a good season. I don't think he's looking as, I don't think he's looked really confident in launching himself into contact since he came back from that, from that busted jaw. So I think that's something that the Cowboys would be looking to spot up a little bit. Um, And yeah, man, I just, I, I think, I think with, with Campbell Gillard and Sebo out, 
this really primes the Cowboys. I think that by yeah. they should they should get this one done here. They really should. They should handle it. And I think Tom Dearden's another one to look at. Like we keep talking about Scott Drinkwater, and rightly so. I'll talk about Scott Drinkwater till the heat death of the universe. Yeah. But I think in this second half of the season, Dearden's been the best five eight in the competition. And not just with his running game, he's been a lot more creative as well. Um, he's playing superb, superb mm. football. And and the Cowboy, and it's no coincidence that when he's found that and Drinkwater's found his form that the Cowboys have looked like they did last year. Yeah. Uh Hey, Scotty D is the hottest player in the comp at the moment, I think, by everything he's touching turns to gold. Um, It's interesting. Like You think back to that really gutsy Parramatta win in the finals last year when, honestly, no one gave them a shot up in Townsville. But I just think that like no Campbell Gillard, no Grigg, like, Junior Ballow is going to have to do a lot of work in this game. Mm-hmm. And Hopgood's been pretty good too. I don't think he's been as good recently as he was in the first five or six weeks of the season. I think, but... I think the rigors of a first grade season yeah. are telling on him a little bit. I agree bit. with that. Um, That's fair. And even at the start of the year, when he was putting up those great numbers, he could get found out defensively mm. a little bit. And he'll sort that out. That's just something that you get more yeah. used to and, um, as I you play more first need, grade, but it still can happen sometimes. A, I think they need a big one from Ryan Madison, to be honest with you. I think he's really got to stand up and be counted in the forward battle because Cowboy, the Cowboys just... You know, every hit up at the moment, they're they're flying like they've been shot out of a gun. Every single one of them, they're they're mm. red hot, and I like them to win this one handsomely. Handsomely, yeah. I just like the the the, the... not pl- not plainly. No, in the, yeah, handsomely. handsomely. Yeah, maybe like eight or ten points or something. Yeah. So, what do you Delicious. think? Oh yeah, I'll I'll go, I'll go the cows by by the same amount. I would say a, a handsome win is 20, 20 plus. Okay, points. yeah, we should do that for, on question time. We rank like the um, adjectives that. Should go should correspond with like each margin bracket is, of victory. Is a thumping victory large? Is that a larger margin than a handsome victory? A thumping is bigger than a handsome victory. What about comprehensive? Less than more than handsome, but less than less than thumping. Yeah. What, what about, about a, is a sh- or just less again? Is yeah. a what's the biggest? A thrashing or a shellacking? Um, I think thrashing is the best. I always liked destruction. Destruction. I mean, like a fifty-six-six destruction of you West. You don't get you know that I mean? as a descriptor very often, but I yeah. like it. It's very, like, it's very absolute as well. It's like it makes it sound like they're not coming back. <laughs> like the Tigers have folded Dis- after disemboweling, seventy-four-nil disemboweling at the hands of the Cowboys. <laughs> see, it works. Rolls yeah, off the tongue. Uh, okay, speaking of disembowelings, we could see one at two o'clock at Penrith Stadium on. Sunday afternoon. What do you want to say about this game? Nathan Cleary is going to be coming back to a hero's welcome at a sold-out Panther Park against a Bulldogs team that had some of the most cowardly defensive efforts I've ever seen last week. And even uh, even with that good win over South where, where they played pretty well in attack, it's been five weeks now of absolutely abject defending. And I just can't see a scenario where they don't get shellacked here. If they, if they can concede less than 40 points, I would honestly count that as as a success and an improvement on yeah. where they've been. Because if they were playing if like they were playing a dead set half strength Brisbane team last week and they had almost nothing for them. You know, they were conceding park footy tries. And now they're coming up against the best team in the competition. We've got all their guys back for the first time in a really long time. And they're probably looking for an easy kill to sort of get their eye in and get through some rounds before they really gear up for the finals. So our dear friends at Canterbury-Bankstown could be in some very serious trouble. Yeah, I'm struggling to think what there is to analyse about this. I mean, we should maybe just talk about Nathan Cleary a little bit. We haven't talked about him for a while because he hasn't been playing. But uh, it's interesting. He, like, especially, like, very recently, what with, I guess, the combination of how well New South Wales played in Origin 3 and how 
good Penrith have been even without him. There's been a lot of chat recently about his sort of performances as a Panther. I think it's gone too far. There's people acting like he's not like a really good halfback. Yeah. I, I'm not sure about that. Cleary's, Cleary's a funny one because of the accolades that he's achieved over the last three or four years. And because even before that, he was one of the most famous players in the entire sport. The, the, the hype machine has tried, has sort of positioned him as the next great halfback as the heir apparent to Thurston and Johns yeah, 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 yeah. and all those sorts of guys. But Cleary has like Cleary's analysis of his own game has never sort of put himself in that space. If you listen to Cleary talk about the way he plays, he says all the time, I'm not as talented as some of the guys around me, which is why I concentrate so much on defense and backing up and like throwing myself into the footy. He goes, cause that's, that's something, that's something that I can do that makes up that, that talent gap. Right. Mm. I don't think Cleary is sort of the, the messianic halfback that the, that the hype machine tried to turn him into. I think he's very much more like a, like a, a technician, you know, he's more technician or mechanic than he is magician. You know, he's the best person at piloting this great Penrith machine around and other guys can do it. Like Jack Cogger could do it. And Sean O'Sullivan could do it. No one can do it as well as Cleary though. It's not to say he's a systems halfback. It's just to say that the team is built to exploit his strengths as much as possible, mm. you know, and other teams, be they New South Wales or some other side, can't be constructed in that same way. That's you know? true. It's 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 not to say that he's a systems halfback. It's to say that part of this system is built around him mm. and what he does well. You know, so I think what's happening is people are just sort of reflexively pushing back at the Nathan Cleary is going to end up better than Andrew Johns, which like members of Andrew Johns' family were running around saying silly things like that. Yes, you know, but in the end, Cleary is. It's it's always the same with Cleary. He's never as good as people say he is when they when they succeed, and he's never as bad as people say he is when he fails. You know. Yep. Yeah, it, it's a funny one. I just feel like, and this is going to happen in in football as well in the next ten years with Messi and Ronaldo retiring. But I just feel like we always have this urge to say that someone's the best ever, or they're better than X, or they're better than Y. It's going to happen in basketball after LeBron goes as well. There's going to be someone who's not as good, but they're inevitably going to start becoming vilified by sections that, I mean it happened to fucking LeBron for God's sake like there's there's going to be people who are vilified because they're compared to these players or and maybe some hot take merchants even say that they're better than these players when they're obviously not like no no halfback has dominated the NRL the way Andrew Johns did since they're not even Cooper Cronk or Jonathan Thurston and certainly not Nathan Cleary but people just love saying things like that they yeah. love comparing eras and all that stuff and so that just gets people's noses out of the joint I think that that's part of it as well yeah, we yeah, and we talk and the way that we talk about it, and when I say we, I mean everybody, not just mm. like the royal you and way. Me on the show. We talk about it like it's hereditary. Like there is always an Andrew Johns or a Jonathan mm. Thurston type figure, when that's just not true. There are sometimes when the best halfback in the world isn't as good as those guys, but because we're used to having those guys and them being the best, we have to put them on that level. For me, the best cronk comp for Cleary is Cooper Cronk. Yeah, you know, I agree. He's with that. much more similar in style to Kronk than he is to a Thurston or a Johns, in that he is sort of a a, a creature created by repetition yeah. rather than one who's got all these intrinsic brilliant abilities. You know? But that's not how we like to talk about our half. Well, it's like, we like yeah, to talk I... about them as we like to talk about them when they're as if they're born, not if they're made, you know? I, yeah, it's like the other I saw someone say, Oh, can Alcaraz catch Djokovic? It's like, mate, 
He's won like three Grand Slams. You're missing the, the point. Yeah, congrats, on, congrats on missing the point. Like, like, yeah, there's there's not always a bigger fish. Not everything has to always be the greatest ever or the best ever. But I think the, he's the been term, a victim the of term, that to The term goat should be outlawed. I agree with that. Especially when people say, oh, the two goats together. It's like, no, that's no, not what that not means. how this works. Yeah, it's like photo of Brady and Manning and you'll see people in the captions, oh, two, two goats. It's like, no, that's one. You had to pick one. <laughs> But anyway, anyway, good luck, uh, Canterbury. If I still yeah. went to Mass, I'd light a candle for you. Fuck yeah. Uh, Penrith by 34. Penrith by 200. All right. Yep, good. And uh, last game of the round. Cronulla, we like we do have to talk about them a little bit because finally, at the behest of every Sharks fan we've ever known, they have rung the changes this week. And finally, we're getting the halves combination that you and I have wanted all year with Nico Hines and Braden Tricky Trindle back together. Uh, Wade Graham's been... Um, uh, taken out the back as well. And unfortunately, Teague Wilton missing through injury. But I guess the, uh, in addition to those changes, the really interesting one is uh, Connor Tracy starting in the centers and Sifatalakai moved to the bench. You'd imagine he comes on in the forwards, which is basically what you were calling for last week. Love that for them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Tricky coming in. I like that too. Uh, Colquhoun starting at second row and Tracy at center, probably not as inspiring as replacements if you'd like, but at least they're trying something different. They're trying something different and they had to do that after what's happened to them over the last sort of month to six weeks or so. And it might not be the answer. Like it still might not fix things, but at least they're trying something different. At least Fitzgibbon has finally said, all right, like it's not working and it's not going to work. So let's change it up. Let's change it up. I think Trindle could actually make their attack even more dangerous because he is a more complete player than Moylan. He's got a much better kicking game. And I think he's a stronger runner, runner, and I think he's and Moylan's equal as a passer, mm. certainly. And I love Talakai in the middle of the field. I love the idea of him and Tall Tom Hazelton coming on after twenty odd minutes, and then you've got Tall Tom, who's just been terrific for them this year, and then Talakai, who's sort of offering a point of difference, offering some real speed, some real blockbusting running, some real destructive capabilities around the middle of the ruck, which is something that they've really been lacking for a good yeah, season absolutely. and a half now. So I, I, I really, I would have liked any changes, any big changes they made because they were well overdue, but I particularly like these two, you know, I think even if they'd kept things the same way, I would have tipped them to peace up manly, mm. but I'm hopeful for the Sharks fans out there that they now use this game to sort of figure some stuff out and then they can come into the Penrith game next week, sort of feeling like, all right, this is how it's going to be now. Like we're, we're, we're yeah, structured totally. a little differently. Our strengths, our some of our strengths are in different places, and maybe that can cover over the gaps that we've sort of shown in ourselves. Yeah, and look on Manly's side, this is it. Lose this game, you're done. So big. They, they've had the wood over the sharks for quite a while, I think. But um, that hood has been broken in recent times. So yeah, it, 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 I think this one's going to be a comfortable win for Cronulla. I do too. Like Manly, to me, are another side that are just waiting for the season to come mm. to an end. Um, and I think this has been something of a disaster for them. I saw a story in the paper the other day saying that they could have Tom Trebojevic back for the finals, and I didn't have the heart to say, lads, yeah, boys, don't know, don't know if you're going to make it. Don't know if you're going to. Not everyone makes it to the promised land. You know, I, some I, people don't make it. Maybe they're the adding the ten-team wildcard bullshit thing. Yeah. So yeah, I get. Yeah, I guess the, the 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 thing the thing would be I would have liked I would have liked the Sharks in this regardless if they'd made any changes or not because I think they're. Very capable at striking out wide, and I think that's been a real struggle for Manly is, is is sort of stopping points when teams get at them with sort of some well-structured gear. So tough times for, for the Northern Beaches, I would say. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's funny. I could actually see Volandis coming out and being like, well, the, the fans want to see Tom Tobojevic in the finals, so we're going to make it a 10-team finals this year. Wouldn't that go great? Wouldn't that Please be redact fun? that. We don't want to give him ideas. That's true. That's very true. Simi Renrandra trying the chip and chase. Oh, no, it's Simi Redradra. Redradra's away. Simi Redradra. Oh, this will be interesting. Oh, yes, it will, yes. Semi Rundrundra. Oh, he's absolutely buried it. Rundrundra. All right, a little bit of news before we get out of here. Um, Moses Embai has apparently played his last game for the Dragons, um, who could and could move to the Eels immediately, looking for backup hooker play, I guess, with the absence of Josh Hodgson. Um, interesting one. I guess that's just a depth thing. But um, well, no, so the, the talk is Embai is going to St. Helens. And then St. Helens are going to release Joey Lusick. And oh, okay. it's going to come back to Parramatta. That makes, a, I mean, that makes the same amount of sense, I guess. None. <laughs> but yeah, sure. Okay, great. The sense, the sense levels remain steady. Yeah. Um, was Joey Lusick the one that fought on the boxing card against Taylor May? And No, like, that was Freddie. That was Freddie Lusick. Right. And and Jeff Fennick's like saying, why have they not thrown in the towel yet? He's getting killed. Poor old Freddie. Yeah, that wasn't, he took, he took, he took the beating though. To his Took credit. it like a man. He actually really did. He's, he hung in there. But uh, yeah, okay, great. Um, I'm sure the Dragons fans will be devastated to see him go. Moses Mbai, I think, was the first like, money ball guy they got as well. Remember that? When they Moses Mbai's like, career is something of a tragedy. Yeah. He, 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 could have, he, could have, he should have been a lot, lot better than he was. Started a he wasn't big for reasons out, out of his control. He should have yeah. been given a position and be allowed to settle there. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a tough one. Yeah, but... Um, uh yeah, I, I doubt Dragons fans will be too upset. Uh, the Tigers have finally uh, locked in those Finu deals with Sam Weller and Latu Finu, so that's good, I guess. Good uh, for maybe. them. I like Latu. I yeah. saw him playing that 19s game, thought he was handy. And then which one had the sign for him at that game we went to at Campbelltown? That's Sam Weller. Okay, cool. I think, yeah. That was a big sign. It was. you got to love that. you got to love yeah. a bit of arts and crafts. And a nice one, uh, George Piggins, inducted into the NRL Hall of Fame, alongside our journalist Ian Heads, rugby league historian. I mean, South Stone is just today with that George Piggins. There's there's not many people I owe more in my life that to than George Piggins. Um, whatever happened after reinstatement, you can talk about how like he wasn't really sort of a capable businessman or capable of running an NRL club in in the professionalized era. Um, here's some stories about some funny recruitment things that happened back in 02 and 03, which I won't go into, but... Um, in terms of a wartime... A wartime, wartime leader, that's, president. That's the best, nobody better. the best comparison. Nobody better, yep. He was on the front lines every single day. He never took a backward step to any of those News Corp or Super League suckholes who were trying to get Souths cancelled forever. Um, I mean, th- there's been books written about this stuff. Go and read them. One written by Ian Head, so it's fitting that they've been sort of inducted into the Hall of Fame together. Um, Piggins biography is really good as well. There's this amazing story where him and Malcolm Riley got into a fight and he like half pulled Malcolm Riley's eye out of its socket. And then they both had to sit next to each other at the judiciary, like the next night. Incredible (laughs) stuff. George Piggins is an absolute legend. It it really did upset me a little bit when the sort of stuff happened with Crow and Holmes at court and he wasn't not necessarily tossed aside. I think they were happy to have him in the fold, but he didn't feel like Mm -hmm. he could be a part of the club at that point in time. And it took a lot of years to get Piggins back involved with South Sydney again. But I'm really glad that it's happened. And I'm really glad that he was sort of re-ingratiated into things a little bit by the time they did win the premiership in 2014. Because not only did they not win a premiership without him, there's no grand final or no South Sydney team without George Yeah, Piggins. South wouldn't exist. Were um, South Sydney, was South Sydney getting kicked out of the comp the first instance of cancel culture? Yep. 
they Daryl Trindle was too good. They said we got to get rid of this guy. <laughs> got to um, got to kick him out. But uh, yeah, I, I'm delighted for him. Um, it's called the book. The autobiography book is called Never Say Die: The Fight to Save the Rabbiters. I've got a copy. I think I might have two copies actually. If you ever want to borrow it, anyone hit me up. But uh, it's a good read. It's a real good book. And yeah, George Piggins. I, I, I mean, I won't forget being t- like popped up into those marches when I was a kid as well, like mm. through town, town hall and stuff. And I won't forget seeing like jerseys from every team and every sort of everyone coming together for, for the greater good. And like, we take the piss out of other clubs and stuff, but I'd, I'd obviously do the same thing for the Roosters or the Bulldogs or for any other team. And it, part of me is sad that like the cynicism that we've sort of invited into our lives in the internet age has probably meant that like, if something like this happened today, there would just be a lot more snark and a lot more nastiness. Yeah. I, I got to tell you, I don't know if it would happen. I don't think yeah. it could ever happen like that again. I agree. I think you that know? we're too online now. And I think that yeah, people are too, too, I, th- I think try it's, it's, and it's obsessed too, with scoring internet points by, yeah, it's too partisan, you know, yeah. like if it was a situation like South, I would, it wouldn't matter what club it was. I would, you know, do whatever I could to keep as, as to, would I to stand up for it. But I, I don't, I think a lot of people, like if it was the roosters say, I think a lot of people would just be like, yeah, fuck them. Yeah, that's you know? probably true. And that's sad. That's really sad that we've lost sort of that part of the sort of mm. fraternity of rugby league. It was a simpler time. It, it was a better we time. We are obviously dickheads about a lot of this stuff with technology, but that is a genuine one, I think. And maybe that's been yeah. lost to time. The internet makes us mean. It That, you know, well said. Nick, how are my beloved NRLW Cronulla Sharks going to go this year in their debut season? Uh, they're in, they're a really they're a really interesting one. The Sharks, um, they've hoovered up a fair few good players from the Dragons. The the player that most people will know is Emma Tornagato, former Dally M winner, sensational player. Uh, like you could make the case that she's the best player in the women's game, but she's making a switch to five eight this year, mm. which I'm not sure about because I I think at, at, on on one side you can say well she's going to touch the ball more, so that might just be enough to to make the Sharks. Awesome because Emma Tonegato, their best player, is going to get more footy. But I think there's a chance as well that she focuses too much on passing and trying to create for other people and not doing what she does best, which is just running the ball and wrecking stuff. You know, so that 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 honestly could be the hinge on which the Sharks' inaugural season swings. They got some other good players. They got Tiana Panatani running around. They've got um, oh god, I can't remember her name, but she's just she's just come over from Rugby Sevens, Rhiannon Rhiannon Byers. All the girls that have come over from sevens have all been really, really good. She's coming off the bench this week. I think she's going to be a back bar or a center, but she's one that I'd really, really have my eye on. But I'll tell you, I think it's a hard NRLW season to pick just generally, just because there's been so much player movement. Yeah, I'm shocked. Like, it, it, if, if you if you guys if you haven't been keeping track of it, you watch. You'll see the teams run out this and week. You'll be and like, like, oh, I didn't realize she played for them. Like, yeah. yeah, like Kezi Apps is over at the Tigers now. That doesn't feel right with your with your girl Bovetti. I'm Welsh. pumped for that. Yeah, you know, like uh, Keely Davis, dra- another Dragon stalwart, is running around for the Roosters. Millie Boyle, who captained the Knights to the Premiership last year, is also at the Roosters. I hate that. Well, bro, the Roosters are probably the team to beat because they were. Pretty much yeah, the they're... class of the competi- of both competitions last year. They should have won. They won the first grand final. They won the first premiership. They should have won the second one. Just sort of drop their drop their bundle in the prelim. They've lost Sam Bremner, who was incredible in the second season last year. But they've replaced her with Corbin Baxter, their premiership captain from the year before. <laughs> it's ridiculous. And they've added Millie Boyle, Keely Davis, and Amber Hall. Yeah, it's fucked. It's like, are right. you are you fucking serious? <laughs> it is. Yeah. It's, it's strange. And, and Taryn, and Taryn Aiken. And yeah, Taryn, how could I forget Taryn Aiken? It's like, absolutely fucked. Ridiculous. They're, they're, the Roosters are absolutely loaded. Um, 
Yeah, which is disappointing for everybody else. But um, yeah, the Broncos excite me as well. Like Gail Broughton was one of my favorite players last year, and she's that's a great up. that's a great get for them. Yeah. She's lobbed up with them. I think that she was fantastic for Parramatta. Um, in the halves as well, which is because she played a lot of fullback for Parramatta, so they're they're still going to be super strong. Well, I, um, I like um, Scott Prince is coaching them. Fuck yeah, that's cool. how good's that? Yeah, but I think I think they needed a change. Kelvin Wright obviously has done a great job to steer them to those three straight premierships, but mm. I think they needed a change and a fresh voice and a bit of a fresh approach. And that's what they've got with with Princey, who I assume is just going to be awesome because Scott Prince can do anything. They've also got this center uh, named Mele Halfanger, mm-hmm. who if you watched the World Cup last year, you would have seen her play for the, the Kiwi Ferns. And she is a wrecking machine. Like in New Zealand, she's already pretty well known because she's played a fair bit of super rugby W and she's played for um played for New Zealand and I think she's played for Tonga as well. Yeah. But I hadn't heard of it before the World Cup. And then the first game the Kiwis played last year, I was like, who the fuck is this? Like, yeah, it, she she's was, she's unreal. She's gonna make a lot of people sit up and take notice she was in that first game for the Bronx. World Cup. It was great. Um yeah, I think they're they're gonna be tough to beat. I think um prediction wise, I think I'll go I think Broncos Roosters grand final Sharks and maybe the Knights or no uh, the Knights it's hard right because like it's a lot of turnover at the Knights. yeah uh, and I'll go Sharks and um Sharks and uh, Dragons the prelims there you go Dragons Dragons is a tough one because they've just lost so many players yeah like and Sour I think Jamie Sowers one of the best coaches working in the women's game today but it's just gonna take a really really big effort from him to sort of put a a slick team together there's a That's like. True. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna pretend to be an expert on every level of the women's game the same I am with the men's. But there are a lot of like young unknown players in that dragon side. They've got. Um, they've got Racine McGregor, probably the best halfback in women's rugby league. But outside of that, it's going to be a tough one. I actually, I really like the squad Canberra's put together, yeah. and that's not just me being a homer. Like they've got their back row is Samaya Talfa. Awesome. Probably the best forward in the game. Mm. And then their two second rowers are English international Holly May Dodd, who was really good for, for England in the World Cup last year. And Mona Lisa Soliola, who's Sia's nephew, who only played a little bit for the Dragons last year. But I think by the end of this season, she could be playing for the jewelers. She's someone with a very, very high ceiling. And they also got Zahara Tamara, who's played a lot for Queensland and a lot for the Roosters. A very, very sharp uh, halfback, and then they got the Kiwi fullback, Appy Nichols, as well. She's a good think, player. She's a really good player. So I thought Canberra were going to struggle, honestly, to get a team together. I thought it was going to be one or two imports and then mainly local girls. But they've put together a side that I think is I, – I honestly think they're a premiership dark horse. Obviously, the Roosters and the Broncos are the yeah. the class of the competition thus I think far. And I've probably got the Titans. I do the think the Tigers side, but... are a little bit better than being last in the betting odds indicates, by the way. But anyway. Well, they got they got Bo, they got Bo, they got Kezi. They, yeah, they've had Tog- a really Sarah good... Togatuki, who was man of the match in the grand final a couple of years ago. Yeah, like they've it. got they've had a really good Harvey Norman program. Well, that's the, the thing, I guess. Like, years. I'm shocked like... that I'm shocked that a lot of those girls that played for them in that aren't like Sergis in particular. Like, I'm shocked mm. that a lot of those girls didn't lob up for them here. So, yeah. Oh, well. It's going to be good. It'll be interesting to see how the competition goes when it's played alongside so the men. It's nine so rounds, long. right? So everyone plays everyone once. Yeah, Great. yeah, but it's just it's. I think you could see last year that the first season, everyone was really into it because it was in the summer. It was pretty much standalone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And everyone was starved for for footy. And then the second one was just a lot harder to keep track of. Like I cover it for work and even it was even harder for me to keep track of just because I had the men's stuff on at the same time. Yeah. So now they're doing that, but it's also going to be more of it. It's like, it's, it's 
being played at the same time as the men's season for nearly the entire, for, for the whole regular season at least. So it's like, I'm going to be interested to see that if it can still continue to grow in these sort of more trying circumstances. And I wonder if it goes badly and things don't work out, if they would consider going back to a summer autumn season rather yeah, than a, it's a winter, weird, winter like, spring season. Like the, for example, like the Broncos Roosters game is at seven thirty on Saturday night at the same time as the Eels Cowboys NRL men's game. Yeah. And it's like, you, you, you are like fans are just going to, fans are going to pick, most fans are going to pick the men's game. Like that's yeah. just the truth. It's, you know, yeah, you've got to be realistic strange, about these things. That's a strange decision. Why but are they like, doing that? Have they, well, bro, has, where, have where else, where else can they fit it in? That's the thing. No, it's, it's five games. Because it, it's, it's five it's games a week now. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. What, like, how do you fit it all in? Yeah, you can't just play it midday every day, can you? Yeah. Like, our dear our dear friend Pythago NRL wrote a really good in-depth NRLW season preview that I would encourage you to all go read. He knows more about the women's game than probably both of us put together. Um, and he's one of the most perceptive people writing about footy today. So I think it's in it's uh, the Marone Observer. If you Google that, it should just come up. All right. Cool. Before we get out of here, thank you to the people in the top two tiers on our Patreon service. If you want to support us, go to patreon.com forward slash rookies. You get access to our Discord server, our merchandise discounts, uh, extra third podcast every single week, and plenty more. So thank you to Chris Abnell, Dave, Rocky and Rathi, Stu, Where's Wayno, Alex Sergicomi, Bruce the Pom, Butsy, Chewbacca Snuffleupagus, Dan Cullinane, David, Doc Hogg, Dogs of Thumb Wars, and Anonymous Backer, Ed Burton, Frankie Fetched, Full-Bodied Ferrets from the Farmer's Market, Horsebrough Scores, Rajace Felix Farmworth, Jason, Joel Wrigley, John, Josh Brandon, Kicks House Out of the Comp, Lachlan Hancock, Lifelong Dolphins fan, Luke Charles Spidmore, Maddie Jenkins, Matthew Duggan, Michael Murray, Mr. Beefy, Morgan Watkins, my name is Matt Bungard, and I love Taylor Swift, my ding-ding-dong is hard and I'm sad, never trendy, Pat McManus, Pete Fulcher, Raymond the Jukebox Stone Gossard, Reese Brown, Rowan Edwards, Roxanne Clark, Rusty Cole and Marty Hart are on the hunt for the Yellow King on the Bayou, Ryan James and the Giant Peachy, See You in Vegas, Shunter, Ty, The Black Vegetable, Thor, Tom Hardy, up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA and start, was, and West Life's podcast. Thank you so much for your support. To everyone in the loyalties and everyone who just listens, thank you as well. Shout out True Detective Season 1. I like Ryan James and the Giant Peachy. That's, that's good. good. Is that is that someone new? Or? No, he's just changed his name. Okay. But that's um, good. That's good stuff. Uh, I, I Would you like a Taylor Swift update? Because I love Taylor Swift. 100%. I uh, got tickets to see Taylor Swift and Paramore at Wembley Stadium in England for next oh, year. Oh, when are you going over there? You're, uh, August next year. Oh, delicious. Yeah. That's really what a good. double header for you. you said delicious a lot of times today. I like it. Well, it's a delicious Friday, man. What do you want me to say? I'm going to call the episode delicious Friday. The sun's Friday. out. The sun's out. My hair's looking great. Like, what more could you ask for? Yeah, I think um, Ryan James and Peach is our good friend, TB. So. Oh, okay. Nice. Good stuff, Tebes. Yeah. Uh, hopefully see him at Henson tomorrow. Fingers crossed. What yeah. a... What- what a, what a delicious event that would be. <laughs> that is going to be a delicious event with many delicious beers. If you are a listener and you're going to be there tomorrow, we'll both be there. Come say hi. Don't be shy. And especially don't be one of those weirdos who we've seen tweet that they saw us at things. Just come up and say hello. Please don't do that. I really, it makes me really uncomfortable. It's Just awful. come up and say, come up and say g'day. It'll hey, be my great. name's X. I listen to the show. Great. Nice yeah. to meet you. Do you want to be? Nice to meet you, brother. Yeah. It'll be great. It'll be fun. You, you know what won't be fun? If I get have, on the computer, if I get on the computer later and say, I just saw the boys from the rookies at Henson. It's like, okay, we're not celebrities. We're just two idiots. Just come say yeah. hi. We never found out who that person at Origin it's was. It's going to eat us up inside. That's either. True Detective season four. That's us <laughs> trying to find out why that guy took a photo of just specifically us and like framed George Clark out of the photo. He just <laughs> wanted us. Maybe he hates English people. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I hate Australian people right now after what we went through last night. Jesus Christ, oh, we're getting, getting bazballed. Imagine getting fucked up by Zach Crawley. It's not great, is it? Not, All right. not the best. All right, say goodbye, Cambo. Goodbye, Bertrand. Yes, goodbye from there.